Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 5 Of the use which the Americans make of public associations in civil life. I do not propose to speak of those political associations by the aid of which men endeavor to defend themselves against the despotic influence of a majority, or against the aggressions of regal power. That subject I have already treated. If each citizen did not learn, in proportion as he is individually becomes more feeble, and consequently more incapable of preserving his freedom single-handed, to combine with his fellow citizens for the purpose of defending it, it is clear that tyranny would unavoidably increase together with equality. Those associations only which are formed in civil life, without reference to political objects, are here averted to. The political associations which exist in the United States are only a single feature in the midst of an immense assemblage of associations in that country. Americans of all ages, all conditions, and all dispositions constantly form associations. They have not only commercial and manufacturing companies, in which all take part, but associations of a thousand other kinds, religious, moral, serious, futile, extensive, or restricted, enormous, or diminutive. The Americans make associations to give entertainments, to found establishments for education, to build inns, to construct churches, to diffuse books, to send missionaries to the antipodes, and in this manner they found hospitals, prisons, and schools. If it be proposed to advance some truth, or to foster some feeling by the encouragement of a great example, they form a society. Whenever, at the head of some new undertaking, you would see the government in France, or a man of rank in England, in the United States you will be sure to find an association. I met with several kinds of associations in America, of which I confess I had no previous notion, and I have often admired the extreme skill with which the inhabitants of the United States succeed in proposing a common object to the exertions of a great many men, 
and in getting them voluntarily to pursue it. I have since traveled over England, whence the Americans have taken some of their laws and many of their customs, and it seems to me that the principle of association was by no means so consistently or so adroitly used in that country. The English often perform great things singly, whereas the Americans form associations for the smallest undertakings. It is evident that the former people consider association as a powerful means of action, but the latter seem to regard it as the only means they have of acting. Thus, the most democratic country on the face of the earth is that in which men have, in our times, carried to the highest perfection the art of pursuing in common the object of their common desires, and have applied this new science to the greatest number of purposes. Is this the result of accident, or is there in reality any necessary connection between the principle of association and that of equality? Aristocratic communities always contain, amongst a multitude of persons who by themselves are powerless, a small number of powerful and wealthy citizens, each of whom can achieve great undertakings single-handed. In aristocratic societies, men do not need to combine in order to act, because they are strongly held together. Every wealthy and powerful citizen constitutes the head of a permanent and compulsory association, composed of all those who are dependent upon him, or whom he makes subservient to the execution of his designs. Amongst democratic nations, on the contrary, all the citizens are independent and feeble. They can hardly do anything by themselves, and none of them can oblige his fellow men to lend him their assistance. They all, therefore, fall into a state of incapacity if they do not learn voluntarily to help each other. If men living in democratic countries had no right and no inclination to associate for political purposes, their independence would be in great jeopardy, but they might long preserve their wealth and their cultivation. Whereas, if they never acquired the habit of forming associations in ordinary life, civilization itself would be endangered. A people amongst which individuals should lose the power of achieving great things single-handed, without acquiring the means of producing them by united exertions, would soon relapse into barbarism. Unhappily, the same social condition which renders associations so necessary to democratic nations renders their formation more difficult amongst those nations than amongst all others. When several members of an aristocracy agree to combine, they easily succeed in doing so, as each of them brings great strength to the partnership. The number of its members may be very limited, and when the members of an association are limited in number, they may easily become mutually acquainted, understand each other, and establish fixed regulations. The same opportunities do not occur amongst democratic nations, where the associated members must always be very numerous for their association to have any power. I am aware that many of my countrymen are not in the least embarrassed by this difficulty. 
They contend that the more enfeebled and incompetent the citizens become, the more able and active the government ought to be rendered, in order that society at large may execute what individuals can no longer accomplish. They believe this answers the whole difficulty, but I think they are mistaken. A government might perform the part of some of the largest American companies, and several states, members of the Union, have already attempted it. But what political power could ever carry on the vast multitude of lesser undertakings which the American citizens perform every day with the assistance of their principle of association? It is easy to foresee that the time is drawing near when man will be less and less able to produce, of himself alone, the commonest necessities of life. The task of the governing power will therefore perpetually increase, and its very efforts will extend it every day. The more it stands in the place of association, the more will individuals, losing the notion of combining together, require its assistance. These are causes and effects which unceasingly engender each other. Will the administration of the country ultimately assume the management of all manufacturers which no single citizen is able to carry on? And if a time at length arrives, when, in consequence of the extreme subdivision of landed property, the soil is split into an indefinite number of parcels, so that it can only be cultivated by companies of husbandmen, will it be necessary that the head of the government should leave the helm of state to follow the plough? The morals and the intelligence of a democratic people would be as much endangered as its business and manufacturers if the government ever wholly usurped the place of private companies. Feelings and opinions are recruited the heart is enlarged and the human mind is developed by no other means than by the reciprocal influence of men upon each other. I have shown that these influences are almost null in democratic countries. They must therefore be artificially created, and this can only be accomplished by associations. When the members of an aristocratic community adopt a new opinion, or conceive a new sentiment, they give it a station, as it were, besides themselves, upon the lofty platform where they stand, and the opinions or sentiments so conspicuous to the eyes of the multitude are easily introduced into the minds or hearts of all around. In democratic countries, the governing power alone is naturally in the condition to act in this manner, but it is easy to see that its action is always inadequate and often dangerous. A government can no more be competent to keep alive and to renew the circulation of opinions and feelings amongst a great people than to manage all the speculations of productive industry. No sooner does a government attempt to go beyond its political sphere and to enter upon this new track than it exercises, even unintentionally, an insupportable tyranny for a government can only dictate strict rules. The opinions which it favors are rigidly enforced, and it is never easy to discriminate between its advice and its commands. Worse still will be the case if the government really believes itself interested in preventing all circulation of ideas, 
it will then stand motionless and oppressed by the heaviness of voluntary toper. Governments, therefore, should not be the only active powers. Associations ought, in democratic nations, to stand in lieu of those powerful private individuals whom the equity of conditions has swept away. As soon as several of the inhabitants of the United States have taken up an opinion or a feeling which they wish to promote to the world, they look out for mutual assistance, and as soon as they have found each other out, they combine. From that moment they are no longer isolated men, but a power seen from afar, whose actions serve as an example, and whose language is listened to. The first time I heard in the United States that 100,000 men had bound themselves publicly to abstain from spiritous liquors, it appeared to me more like a joke than a serious engagement, and I did not at once perceive why these temperate citizens could not content themselves with drinking water by their own fireside. I at last understood that 300,000 Americans, alarmed by the progress of drunkenness around them, had made up their minds to patronize temperance. They acted just in the same way as a man of high rank, who should dress very plainly in order to inspire the humbler orders with contempt of luxury. It is probable that if these 100,000 men had lived in France, each of them would singly have memorialized the government to watch the public houses all over the kingdom. Nothing, in my opinion, is more deserving of our attention than the intellectual and moral associations of America. The political and industrial associations of that country strike us forcibly, but the others elude our observation, or if we discover them, we understand them imperfectly, because we have hardly ever seen anything of the kind. It must, however, be acknowledged that they are as necessary to the American people as the former, and perhaps more so. In democratic countries the science of association is the mother of science. The progress of all the rest depends upon the progress it has made. Amongst the laws which rule human societies, there is one which seems to be more precise and clear than all others. If men are to remain civilized, or to become so, the art of associating together must grow and improve in the same ratio in which the equality of conditions is increased. End of chapter 5 Chapter 6 Of the Relation Between Public Associations and Newspapers When men are no longer united amongst themselves by firm and lasting ties, it is impossible to obtain the cooperation of any great number of them, unless you can persuade every man whose concurrence you require that his private interest obliges him voluntarily to unite his exertions to the exertions of all the rest. This can only be habitually and conveniently effected by means of a newspaper, 
nothing but a newspaper can drop the same thought into a thousand minds at the same moment a newspaper is an adviser who does not require to be sought but who comes of his own accord and talks to you briefly every day of the common wheel without distracting you from your private affairs newspapers therefore become more necessary in proportion as men become more equal and individualism more to be feared to suppose that they only serve to protect freedom would be to diminish their importance they maintain civilization i shall not deny that in democratic countries newspapers frequently lead the citizens to launch together in very ill-digested schemes but if there were no newspapers there would be no common activity the evil which they produce is therefore much less than that which they cure the effect of a newspaper is not only to suggest the same purpose to a great number of persons but also to furnish the means for executing in common the designs which they may have singly conceived the principal citizens who inhabit an aristocratic country discern each other from afar and if they wish to unite their forces they move towards each other drawing a multitude of men after them it frequently happens on the contrary in democratic countries that a great number of men who wish or who want to combine cannot accomplish it because as they are very insignificant and lost amidst the crowd they cannot see and do not know where to find one another a newspaper then takes up the notion or feeling which had occurred simultaneously but singly to each of them all are then immediately guided towards this beacon and these wandering minds which had long sought each other in darkness at length meet and unite the newspaper brought them together and the newspaper is still necessary to keep them united in order that an association amongst a democratic people should have any power it must be a numerous body the persons of whom it is composed are therefore scattered over a wide extent and each of them is detained in the place of his domicile by the narrowness of his income or by the small unremitting exertions by which he earns it means then must be found to converse every day without seeing each other and to take steps in common without having met thus hardly any democratic association can do without newspapers there is consequently a necessary connection between public associations and newspapers newspapers make associations and associations make newspapers and if it has been correctly advanced that the associations will increase in number as the conditions of men become more equal it is not less certain that the number of newspapers increases in proportion to that of associations thus it is in america that we find at the same time the greatest number of associations and of newspapers this connection between the number of newspapers and that of associations leads us to the discovery of a further connection between the state of the periodical press and the form of administration in a country 
and it shows that the number of newspapers must diminish or increase amongst a democratic people in proportion as its administration is more or less centralized. For amongst democratic nations the exercise of local powers cannot be entrusted to the principal members of the community as in aristocracies. Those powers must either be abolished or placed in the hands of a very large number of men, who then in fact constitute an association permanently established by law for the purpose of administering the affairs of a certain extent of territory, and they require a journal to bring them every day, in the midst of their own minor concerns, some intelligence of the state of their public weal. The more numerous local powers are, the greater is the number of men in whom they are vested by law, and as this want is hourly felt, the more profusely do the newspapers abound. The extraordinary subdivision of administrative power has much more to do with the enormous number of American newspapers than the great political freedom of the country and the absolute liberty of the press. If all the inhabitants of the Union had suffrage, but a suffrage which should only extend to the choice of their legislators in Congress, they would require but few newspapers because they would only have to act together on a few very important but very rare occasions. But within the pale of the great association of the nation, lesser associations have been established by law in every county, every city, and indeed in every village, for the purposes of local administration. The laws of the country thus compel every American to cooperate every day of his life with some of his fellow citizens for a common purpose, and each of them requires a newspaper to inform him what all the others are doing. I am of the opinion that a democratic people, footnote, footnote, I say a democratic people, the administration of an aristocratic people may be the reverse of centralized, and yet the want of a newspaper may be little felt, because local powers are then vested in the hands of a very small number of men, who either act apart or who know each other, and can easily meet and come to an understanding. End of footnote. Return to the text. I am of the opinion that a democratic people, without any national representative assemblies, but with a great number of small local powers, would have in the end more newspapers than any other people governed by a centralized administration and an elective legislation. What best explains to me the enormous circulation of the daily press in the United States is that amongst the Americans I find the utmost national freedom combined with local freedom of every kind. There is a prevailing opinion in France and England that the circulation of newspapers would be indefinitely increased by the removing of taxes which have been laid upon the press. This is a very exaggerated estimate of the effects of such a reform. Newspapers increase in numbers, not according to their cheapness, but according to the more or less frequent want which a great number of men may feel for intercommunication and combination. In like manner, I should attribute the increasing influence of the daily press to causes more general than those by which it is commonly explained. 
a newspaper can only subsist on the condition of publishing sentiments or principles common to a large number of men a newspaper therefore always represents an association which is composed of its habitual readers this association may be more or less defined more or less restricted more or less numerous but the fact that the newspaper keeps alive is proof that at least the germ of such an association exists in the minds of its readers this leads me to a last reflection with which i shall conclude this chapter the more equal the conditions of men become and the less strong men individually are the more easily do they give way to the currents of the multitude and the more difficult it is for them to adhere by themselves to an opinion which the multitudes discard. A newspaper represents an association. It may be said to address each of its readers in the name of all the others, and to exert its influence over them in proportion to their individual weakness. The power of the newspaper press must therefore increase as the social conditions of men become more equal. End of chapter 6 Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with Saul Good Streaming at SaulGood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, meditation, and relaxation all ad-free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to solgood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D dot O-R-G. Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with Saul Good Streaming at solgood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, meditation, and relaxation all ad-free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to solgood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D dot O-R-G.